Hello, welcome to the second episode of the Hope Thesis Podcast. I am Susanna Metzler, your host, and today I have a very special guest here with me, uh, my brother, Michael. Michael, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. So, my first question for you is, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so I'm a filmmaker and I write stuff like short fiction and poetry, mainly poetry. And uh, mainly uh, playful comedy to dark satire to full-out cynicism uh, about the human condition and the world and everything. And I incorporate these elements mainly in poetry, as I said, and also in the short fiction that I write, as well as a finished novella that's actually published on Amazon, and a couple of screenplays as well. Wow, that is a lot. That is so cool. You said that you are a filmmaker. Uh, that's super interesting that you um, film movies and videos as well as write. When did you notice or decide that you wanted to be a filmmaker? It's kind of hard to pinpoint that type of thing, but I would say that uh, when I can first notice wanting to was during the time like I was 10 and we were watching a bunch of behind the scenes footage on like how they made certain films like Narnia, uh, Star Wars, and then a little later on Pirates of the Caribbean. <clears throat> Just really interested me seeing what was actually going on behind the scenes and uh, just a sneak peek back there that you don't usually hear about on, you know, the, the media or pop culture. They don't talk about that type of stuff, but just being able to see the footage of what's taking place, where the cameras are, the actors, how they interact with the director, and yeah, all that type of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember watching those behind-the-scenes movies of like Star Wars and Narnia. Um, back in the day, I used to yeah. want to be an actor after watching this. <laughs> it's like, hey, these kids can act in Narnia, so can I. Yeah, yeah that dream didn't last very long, but. <laughs> and here you are now, like making movies and directing and whatnot, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, my next question is what genre do you film in the most, and what are some common themes in your film project specifically? Um, usually I've been doing a lot of music videos, so I've been videoing those to 21 Pilots music, and I don't have any themes in those. Yeah, I, um, we have a film video for Trees by 21 Pilots, and you can check it out. Um, I will drop the link for that, um, as well as our stressed out music video in the summary or the um, details for this podcast. Yeah, those were some music videos that Michael and I actually collaborated on. I acted in Trees and he filmed that and in Stressed Out, he also acted as well as directed and um, <laughs> and he was the cameraman in that one. He did, he had like a lot of roles. Um, so yeah, it's been really fun to like collaborate on stuff with him and it's kind of cool because like me as a writer and then you as like a director we can kind of like put those skills together and like make storyboards and film those exactly yeah it's so much fun so what about music videos i want to talk about those uh what about music videos draws you to plan and create them is there like a particular style or genre of music that you enjoy making those videos with yeah, so for why music videos, like what about music videos? No, why not any other type of video at first? And it's mainly because since I'm starting out with 
just one camera, not a bunch of professional equipment, no professional microphone. The thing with filming uh, videos with sound is that no matter how good you get the camera to look, no matter how good the lighting is, your project is going to be ruined if you don't have good sound and it's going to be the one thing mm -hmm. that stands out to people. And so it's going to be kind of for nothing if you don't have good sound as well as good visuals. So music videos, they offer their sound in the music. You don't have to do, um, you don't have to record diegetic sound or sound within the story. It's um, all in the music. So I don't need a microphone. I can just experiment with purely the cinematography side of it, not worry about the sound. And so that's why I started doing music videos. But as well as the fact that I also play piano and I love music, to be able to edit to music, it um, just having that sense of rhythm there and as well as editing it, editing to mm -hmm. the music is it's very fun. Yes, I remember when you were editing the music videos for 21 Pilots and how you really, really wanted to edit um, what we had filmed for Trees on a specific rhythm. And I was like, no, let, let's break it here and then um, we can cut that scene there. And he's like, no, but this is how the rhythm goes. It's so cool when you like cut to the rhythm. And I was like, right. okay. <laughs> kind of like playing an instrument, you're wanting to play a certain way, especially when you're playing with a band and you have the instruments playing different things. Mm -hmm. When you're playing the piano, you're like, oh, it needs to sound like this. It's kind of like using video clips in your editing software as an instrument that kind of, there's a feeling to it that there's different ways of obviously different people want to edit different ways but it's kind of like playing an instrument yeah that's true and if you're filming something for the music like music videos are obviously for the music then it makes sense to have that rhythm in the video as well so that it's like synced up with the music and it doesn't seem like they're two separate pieces of media somehow going together exactly. yeah that that makes sense um I am personally a big fan of your poetry, and I want to camp out there for a bit. When did you start writing poetry? I started writing poetry when I was 9 or 10. It was mainly because I was learning different poetry uh, structures for school. And then after that, I started experimenting with my own uh, poetry based on those structures. And then um, I made a compilation when I was 10. So. Okay, nice. Yeah, I love seeing your comedy poetry on Instagram <laughs> whenever I see that you have a store I always click on it because I know there's like a 90% chance there's gonna be a really funny poem so yeah why do you write poetry I write poetry kind of to be the regular answer kind of yeah I write poetry to express my ideas about the world but to go a little further from there they're often social commentary they're often used to philosophize on the meaning of life, try to get the reader to ask questions for themselves. And for this reason, as you were saying, a lot of them are funny. And while a lot of them are purely just comedy, a lot of them also are social commentary or <clears throat> uh, philosophical uh, speculation kind of disguised in satire so that people can actually read it and kind of laugh about it and not be uh, automatically skeptical and be um, like so that they cannot see the <clears throat> full meaning uh, on the very surface of it because when you have the meaning kind of on the surface of it and it's kind of on the nose and obvious then people automatically 
dismiss it if they already disagree, but if they can kind of laugh at it as kind of a satire, then it kind of works much more effectively. Oh, that is so interesting. I never thought about it that way. Where do you find inspiration for your writing style that you were talking about just now? And then like the topic of your poetry, where do you find inspiration for that? Right. It's kind of funny because I don't actually go out and I'm sure like with most writers, they don't intentionally, well, I'm sure a lot of writers do, but I don't intentionally go in search of inspiration being like reading things like how will this help my poetry, but it's more of an unconscious thing. However, I do have direct inspiration for the format from one of J.R. Tolkien's poems from uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I used, I uh, mapped it out and uh, like the rhyming scheme of it, how many syllables it had per line, because I really like the flow. And then I kind of made a few poems based off that uh, about different things with different words, obviously. And so that was direct inspiration, obviously. But uh, growing up, I... uh, read a lot of A.A. A. Milne's poetry, uh, obviously Tolkien's because that was in Lord of the Rings. I loved that uh, when I was younger. And then of course, Robert Frost, Robert Louis Stevenson was a big one that I read a lot. And now of course I do create my own original ways of formatting poetry. And of course, free verse poems aren't gonna be like derived from anything in particular because they're free verse, they're kind of random. But of course, um, if you consume, like, to be good at something, you have to consume a lot of it as well. It doesn't come from nowhere, basically, so. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Um, so I wanted to talk a bit about your book because you wrote one. So what genre is your book in, and what made you want to write that particular genre? So, yeah, it's called Memories of Light. It's a novella, so it's not a full-length novel, and it's a, I don't know exactly what, uh, typical genre to ca- uh, to put it as a, except for uh, psychological or drama so psychological drama something like that but the really one of the main inspirations for it actually two inspirations were from my favorite movie as well as one of my favorite books kind of put together in some of the themes and some of the storytelling techniques so the movie was um, that I was inspired from was Inception and then uh, that was just for storytelling and then not exactly the plot but then monster calls or a monster calls was the book that inspired me as well so kind of piecing some things from some elements of those two together uh, because both inspired me to um, write the story that I did and how I told it okay yeah I loved reading that it was so deep and there were a lot of really cool aspects that I liked about it. Um, Very philosophical too. So now just uh, changing gears a little bit, this being the Hope Thesis Podcast, uh, I wanted to talk about hope as a theme a little bit and ask you questions regarding that. So the term hope is really broad without context to apply it to. So my first question on this for you is what do you think of when you hear the word hope how would you define it i would say it's kind of a general definition for me it's when things are bad you hope for something to work out so you you look forward to the time or you expect that something will um and even though you're not sure that it can or it will happen so that's kind of how i define hope okay 
cool. Um, yeah, I hope it's a really broad term. I think you summarized it really well. When it comes to what we create, we can choose which themes and messages permeate our work. Um, so hope could be a theme that you intentionally explore in your films, music videos, your writing, um, or it could like be a theme that's already innately there in your work, mainly because of the topic you're addressing and what you're creating. Um, so kind of going off of that, how would you say you explore the theme of hope or relate to it in some way in your filmmaking or writing or any creative projects you do? Exactly. Yeah, I would say that hope, especially in my poetry, is not approached um, in the way that most people would expect it to be approached. Instead, it can be mistaken for just flat out, you know, being cynical about life. <laughs> but the reason that poetry or my poetry is can be super dark and not have any hope in it is so that uh, the readers can understand and kind of grasp the world that the paint the picture of the world that I'm painting how dark the world is and as a Christian writing these stories it's not to say that the world is this way or I mean it's not to say that everything will be this way it's to show how um, how dark the world is so that you can see your need for something greater mm -hmm. than the life that you're living and just the the better you can see your plight, then even a little bit of hope will um, bring about a much more, um, will expel that fear of the dark world that you live in. And and as I, as I wrote here, uh, no one needs hope if they don't see how bad the situation is. So if the world is already all right, then who needs hope, right? But if the world is actually, uh, if we're all going in the wrong direction, then we actually do need help. Yeah, that was beautifully put. We all have our own personal story of hope and that's, you know, all of our stories are different because each of us are unique individuals, but all, every story we have is, it starts with something bad, something wrong about the world. Um, and then hope is a theme in that. So yeah, that's really cool. I really like that a lot. Um, I think storytelling is one of the more obvious ways of exploring how powerful hope is, how it can like bring people together to work towards a common ideal for the future, or how even one character deals with a particular situation and then rises from it a better person with a better mindset. So how would you say that the storylines or characters uh, in your book and in your film projects uphold the picture of hope specifically? Right, and, and it kind of follows with the um, what I was saying about my poems, but to specifically focus on Memories of Light, my novella, the theme, you could argue that the theme is hope, um, so it actually applies really well, but it's not approached. Hope is not shown in the way that you would typically think of it because the main character, Ishmael, actually as the storyline progresses, he becomes more and more hopeless, I guess this is true of many protagonists in stories, but they become more and more hopeless as the story progresses. Mm -hmm. Ishmael feels distant from his mother in my story. He feels distant and he feels unloved in this one and only meaningful connection in his life. And as the story progresses, he gradually loses hope. And as dark as and depressing as the story can get, hope for his situation does get introduced. And the conflict is 
partially resolved it's not completely resolved so there's not like but that's what hope is it's not that something has already happened it's that you're looking for uh, the reader's looking for something better to happen even if it doesn't happen in the pages of the book but uh the complexity of this resolution just goes to show that the character cannot begin hoping all of a sudden or just because something uh just on a whim something happened all of a sudden he has hope there's too much to the human mind there's sometimes too much trauma for an individual to easily have hope uh, once that hope has originally been lost yeah that was one thing i loved about your book is that it was so realistic in that this character has undergone trauma and hope is not easily found um after like experiencing something like that um and realistically hope isn't you know when it's found it's usually like not like the most beautiful perfect ending um to a story it's usually like little bits and pieces here and there um but anyways yeah one of the things i wanted to bring up alongside hope is the theme of truth Um, more specifically seeking it and then revealing it in our creative work and we've kind of talked about this a little bit like the truth of hope Um, you know the realistic aspects of it in in your book and whatnot Um, but one of the reasons why the theme of truth is I think so important and why I made it an integral part of this uh, hope thesis concept is that truth is very often run over or completely ignored um, specifically in the media I'm thinking more of like social media and the news, um, and it's both have done an excellent job in portraying the truth as something else a lot of the times, or revealing the more appealing bits and pieces of the truth. Now, without getting too political, uh, for the sake of discussion and for those listening, what are your thoughts on the idea of truth in the world today, more specifically in the media and in creative forms of pop culture, um, like books, movies, and music? Yeah, it's funny. This morning I was actually looking at an article about the new deep fake technology that's becoming rapidly advanced. And there's a really popular TikTok right now. It's an account that posts videos of Tom Cruise doing random stuff, but it's not actually Tom Cruise. It's a deep fake of Tom Cruise, and you really can't tell the difference. Wow. It's, uh, yeah, it's CGI uh, today. It's just becoming too easy to, uh, now you can have videos of people, which is usually what you would say is um, the best evidence out there but now it can be cgi'd to the point of uh you can't recognize it with the with the human eye but it's just a good example of the um, truth on social media now there really isn't truth on social media but in terms of the broader culture everyone believes that everyone has their own truth and it's kind of like whatever you believe to be true is true for you and while this is kind of a grammatically incorrect way of saying that if you like ice cream then that's your truth even though that's kind of a wrong way of using that in the sentence that seems to be what people believe about anything in terms of morality and now there's this relative morality and then if you don't agree that there is relative morality then you are the one misguided and you need to change what truths you believe in. The irony of that, (laughs) it's like, if uh, your morals are wrong if you don't believe with relative morality, which is a theory that anyone can believe what they want to. But um, it's basically, you could 
put it back to the statement that people believe now there's no such thing as truth seems to be believed right now mm-hmm. but what people don't get is that that itself is making a statement of truth that they hold to be true so it's like there's no such thing as truth well isn't that a truth <laughs> never ending circle but basically we've yeah we've lost sight of um objective truths and um yeah yeah that's true i agree well well put um i think as creatives we are in a way responsible for shedding light on the truth the truth itself however can be something that many of us or many people don't want to accept um if we apply it to many different scenarios um, that's why I wanted to tie it into our discussion, um, because I think truth is, um, it's a good idea to spread the truth about a particular thing with a message and a theme of hope. I think this is important because if we simply lay bare the truth without a hopeful theme or a call to action to do something with that truth for the good, we are going to receive different forms of hate from different sides. So um, to put this in like a more concrete example, um, I wanted to talk about your book specifically, Memories of Light. Um, so in your book, what is a truth that you reveal that is not often easily accepted or considered? Yeah, in my book, the strongest theme is as well as hope, but it's also in terms of the character, it's his unwillingness to accept the truth about his situation. That's the main conflict of the book his unwillingness to accept the truth. Instead, the conflict is that he makes up his own truth to protect him from his own self. So he fabricates this entire um, brilliant lie. And I guess Dear Evan Hansen is another really good musical that it's the whole conflict is that he he constructs his own truth, his own reality, so that he can feel better about himself. And the truth of this, of my book, is it's better to accept the brutal truth than to live in an easy delusion. But, of course, as we were saying, in a society of relative morality or relative truth, why would it be better to accept the brutal truth? Why not live in an easy delusion? Or are there delusions? And then it becomes becomes, uh, trivial. It doesn't make any sense. But the point of the book is it's better to accept the brutal truth and that the brutal truth actually exists and it matters and it's better to accept that than to live in a delusion that you create for yourself. Right. How is the truth manifested in the theme of hope? Um, I guess how would you like tie the two together um, in that you talked about earlier in your book? Right. So since the problem, so since the conflict is that he has created this delusion for himself, hope is introduced when the character begins to come to grips with reality, to realize that his reality was a delusion, something that he created for self-preservation and that this was actually hurting him more than it was protecting him. And as I said before, it's not easily solved. It's not even completely solved or maybe even it's like very barely begins to be solved like he just begins to see that perhaps this is all um this is all a lie um yeah so that's how hope is introduced it's not that he suddenly has hope it's that he can now begin 
to hope for something better to happen because now he sees um, reality as it is. Yeah, that takes a lot of character, strength, and resolve to like get get over the past and face the present and the future with a different sense of truth. So brilliant. So, anyways, moving on, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about um, the coronavirus, a rather touchy subject, but I wanted to, <laughs> it's your favorite, uh, I wanted to ask you how COVID has impacted you specifically as a creative. COVID and the effects of the pandemic have really changed everybody mental health-wise, um, and personally for me it was a while to get uh, to adjust to the new dynamic. So. When the first round of lockdown happened in the spring and going into the summer, um, did you embrace all the time that was opened up to you? Did you see the quarantine as an opportunity to focus on your creative pursuits? Or was it really difficult trying to stay productive while undergoing such a drastic change in your social life and the overall new climate? Well, it definitely was an adjustment. Um, it wasn't like it was super hard or anything, at least for me personally, but the main thing that changed was it gave me an excuse to take a gap year from college. And so obviously that opened up a bunch of time and I think uh, I think it was three music videos. Like in the first like couple months, I made like three music videos. I started making some short like comedic videos and some uh, food videos as well for my baking blog. So at first, at least in the first few months, it definitely um, helps me a lot focus on creative pursuits. Um, in the summer, uh, I think it was the summer of, yeah, in the summer I wrote a ton of poetry and that's when I published my novella Memories of Light. But then as time went on, writing became a little more sparse. I started watching more movies um, as well as working more. Uh, once I got a job, working more hours. Um, the effect of feeling free from no school kind of wore off. It was another routine that honestly wouldn't have been much different if coronavirus hadn't happened. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, you got a whole year off from school. That's That's... Nice. <laughs> um, you said that you made uh, short comedic videos. Uh, have you posted those yet? Are you going to post those? Or have you posted them already and I haven't somehow seen them? Well, they're the, uh, the guitar lessons because I don't know how to play guitar. And it's how to play guitars and how to tune your guitar, how to play the other side of the guitar, the part that has no strings. Um, so it's kind of like comedic little guitar lessons that don't actually teach you anything, but they're kind of funny. On my Instagram, my IGTV place on Instagram. Yes, you guys go check those out. They're amazing. They're so funny. Um, yeah, I forgot about those. So anyway, how would you say the past year of COVID and the different phases of lockdown uh, changed your mindset and your creative process in general? I wouldn't say that it changed my creative process that much. Uh, my Since my pursuits are mainly individual, especially writing, so writing is one of those things where you're the writer and you can pretty much do it anywhere, and you don't really need to be in a group of people to write something, at least. Mm -hmm. um, so in that way, it's nice being um, a writer in that way that circumstances like COVID didn't really 
affected that much. Now, I was planning on doing an actual production at college for a short film that I had created. Uh, I was going to be renting some of the the better cameras at college, as well as collaborating with some students who can handle the cameras, someone who can deal with lighting. And of course, uh, that happened literally the week of COVID lockdown. So in terms of it affecting me, that's kind of like the most direct way I could say that COVID affected um, the uh, any of my creative pursuits was just canceling that. But on the other hand, I had the time to then make like three music videos on my own, so. Okay, well, that's cool. You adapted well. Yeah, that must have been a huge bummer, like having people at college who know different aspects of filmmaking, camera work and all of that, and putting that together. That must have been disappointing. But you're going back uh, next year, so exactly. you'll have that opportunity opened up to you again. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Thank you for sharing all of that. So, but before we end, I wanted to ask you, for the sake of our friends listening, where can we find you online? I would say the main place right now is Instagram. So, um, my name, Michael Metzler Jr., just, that's literally it, just the tag for Instagram. I do have a baking blog. It's been a while since I posted on there, but that's michaelstestkitchen.com. Um, and I don't really use anything else except uh, Instagram in terms of social media, so. Yeah, and I'll drop those links um, in the details for this uh, podcast episode so you can go ahead and um, check Michael out. So one last question for you before we leave. Do you have any future creative projects that you're currently working on or that you're planning on that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, right now I'm... Um working on the shot list so I've already made the script and everything I'm working on the shot list for a short film that I will be filming myself uh, with I'm pretty sure just my brother who's starring in it and it's going to be a semi-silent film um, kind of about the dangers of social media and how it negatively impacts teens Ooh. it's kind of an analogy for that and yeah but basically he develops a relationship with someone via social media, but the person is actually, um, that he's texting is a stolen identity. Okay. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. That sounds awesome. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for your time and allowing me to pick your brain and host you as my first ever guest on the podcast. So yeah, this has been really exciting. Um, you guys follow him on social media so you can get updates on um, that film he was just talking about and his other creative stuff, you can see the poetry he posts on his stories too. They're, they're great. They're worth following him for, for sure. Alright, so thank you guys for joining us. Have a great day. Mm. And you can say, like... Thanks for having me. <laughs> <I didn't... laughs> or you could just say bye. Or bye! <laughs>